Welcome to Stay at Home, Mom, with your illustrious host, Leslie Goodgesell, mother to six beautiful daughters, wife to an amazingly hardworking and supportive husband, homeschooler, and homesteader in the making. Join me on this journey, this blessing of what motherhood looks like. yourself so overwhelmed and so exhausted that you feel like you are drowning under everything. I know we've talked about this before. I know I'm not alone in this. I feel like every mom can relate to this, but some of us feel this in an extreme, intense way that feels so debilitating. That's what we're going to talk about today. Welcome to Stay at Home Mom. Today, We're gonna talk about momming with OCD. So I know OCD is something a lot of people say, oh, I struggle with OCD. They kind of flippantly use this language and they don't fully understand what they're talking about. They don't fully understand the impact that those words actually make. Not that they lack the ability to fully understand it, but I don't know how many people actually struggle with obsessive compulsive disorder. And I will say, before I got married, I used to joke about it. I am very type A. I struggle with OCD tendencies. That's what I used to say. But I never fully understood the magnitude of what my struggle was until I got married and started having children. How true is that? We bring a new partner. We bring new little people into our world and into our environment. And it tends to pull out the worst in us, right? It can pull out the best and we can become the greatest people we have ever been. We can shine like we never imagined we could. And we can be the darkest we have ever been and not even imagine or believe that we could be that dark and that low. So I'm going to share a story with you. I'm going to kind of walk you through what I have discovered about OCD while being a mom how I have overcome some of these tendencies. And as we know, with my very first episode, I talked about how I still get really overwhelmed by these things. So it's not that I have achieved some high and mighty stature where I don't struggle with these things anymore. It is, it is something that I'm constantly battling with, but I am working really hard. And I have been for about 12 years. And it all started... <laughs> when I had to go on bed rest with my twins. I got pregnant very, very soon after we had our second daughter. I would say she wasn't even a year old before we discovered we were pregnant. And I was feeling really sick and really nauseous. And it was absolutely miserable for the first one and a half trimesters. And I started to feel better right before we went in for our 20-week ultrasound. That's when they show you the picture of your baby and you get to see their heart and their feet and their faces and you get to see them move around and they get to tell you if it's a boy or a girl and it's all exciting and you just can't wait. And I remember before we went, I was huge and my OB kept saying, oh, no, 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 no. It's because you just had a baby. Your body knows what it's doing. And when we'd go in for our wellness appointments, you know, I'd say, I feel like I hear a second heartbeat. Oh, no, no, no. You know, if there were twins, for sure we would hear, you know, alternating, echoing heart rates or something like that. And 
I, we just hear one, no big deal. So the night before my ultrasound, my husband says, I'm pretty sure we're having twins. No way. This is not happening. There is no way we're having twins. That's not a thing in our family. We go to the ultrasound. We're joking with the ultrasound tech about this. And I look at her and I say, do not tell me I'm having twins. As she is putting the little Doppler wand thingy on my belly to get a picture of the baby in my belly. (laughs) And I turn and look at her and her jaw drops and her eyes are bigger than anything I've ever seen. And I look at the screen and there are two heads on the screen. And I just looked at my husband and started bawling. I'm like, this is not funny. This is not funny. This cannot be me. I cannot be having twins. Well, it was true. We were pregnant with twins, twin girls to be exact. And the first words out of my husband's mouth were, guess we're going to have to adopt if we want a boy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm thinking so. Four girls, we're in for it. (laughs) I remember thinking, oh, my goodness. I felt so sick to my stomach for the first 19 and a half weeks of this pregnancy. And now I feel sick for a whole different reason. The thought of having two babies at one time was so overwhelming. But I will add, once they were here and we went through the NICU and we went through all of the processes that we did with that, I would have twins all over again, over and over and over, because it was the greatest blessing that I ever experienced. And one of the reasons that is, is because at 31 weeks, yeah, 31 and a half to 32 weeks, I went on bed rest because my body started to go into preterm labor. Not only was I in bed rest, but I had an 18-month-old baby. I had a four-year-old, and our house was on the market. (laughs) Because why not try to flip your whole life upside down when you have two little ones and two little ones on the way? There's no better time to try to sell a house. (laughs) Well, I'm a little type A, little bit, you know, I'm pretty sure I was born that way. I'm pretty sure I came out organizing my books and keeping my room clean as soon as I could walk. I've just always been a very orderly person, but I did not understand the depths of OCD until I lay in that bed and my husband had to leave for work and said, well, my mom is going to come and she's going to help do the laundry and clean the house and look after the girls since you can't get up and do anything. Because I was on bed rest, it was strict. I wasn't allowed to do anything except get up and go to the bathroom and take a shower, and that was it. It was strict bed rest. And the words as they came out of my husband's mouth created an emotion, a floodgate opened, and I could not stop it. Even to this day, I can recall the thoughts in my mind and the response coming out of me not aligning at all. (laughs) I freaked out. I started screaming. I cried. I was like, she cannot touch my laundry. She cannot do this. Nobody can clean my house like I can clean it. And I don't want other people walking through my house if I haven't cleaned it. I am not exaggerating. (laughs) I wish I was because it's quite embarrassing now that I think about it. But I was having a full-on panic attack. I was shaking And I was sick to my stomach. And the thought of somebody else doing the things that I was doing or I was responsible to do just set me off. It put me over the edge. And in my mind, I was thinking, 
stop freaking out. This is not the correct response at this time. Somebody's offering you help. Accept it with joy and move on. But there was something deep inside of me that I didn't quite fully understand and it came out. And honestly, my husband and I were just talking about this earlier when I told him I wanted to talk about this on the podcast. And he said, did you ever talk to my mom about that after that happened? And I said, no, actually I haven't. I probably should do that because that was 12 years ago. I probably need to apologize to her. I don't remember if I have. I'm sure I did because I'm one of those people who's very quick to apologize when I know that I've done something wrong. But I probably owe her another apology anyway <laughs> because my response was, it was so over the top. That was the first opportunity that I had to fully look at myself and evaluate what OCD actually was. Why was I so obsessed with being the one who did things a certain way? It was a compulsion. I could not stop myself. This is why it's a disorder. It's not something you have complete control over. And throughout the years, I've studied a lot about OCD. I've prayed a lot about it, and I fully believe that we can be 100% delivered from it. It's possible I haven't been fully delivered from it because I'm willing to hold on to it a little bit. I don't know why I am. I really don't like it. <laughs> it's not something easy, and I'm actually inviting my husband on my next episode to talk about husbanding a mom with OCD because it cannot be easy for him either. It's got to be extremely overwhelming, and I try to be extremely compassionate and empathetic towards my husband because it's a lot to deal with in my own mind, in my own body, in my own emotions. I know when it projects out that it hits all of these people that I love in its wake. So a few of the things that I've discovered about OCD, knowing that it's not something that I have complete control over or I hadn't in the past, is that typically OCD stems from some kind of trauma in your childhood. And I'm not one to, you know, bring out old baggage and try to air all that out. That's not what I am all about. People make mistakes. People do the best they can with what they have. And people are always growing and changing and doing better. As long as they have the tools, they need to do better. I didn't grow up in the most functional family, but I really do believe that my parents did the best they could with what they had. They had their own struggles. They had their own issues. And unfortunately, we were the children of those parents that were dealing with those issues, just like my kids are the children dealing with my issues, right? There's going to be a day when they're going to come back and they're going to have all these stories and they're going to be like, yeah, my mom screwed me up because blah, 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 blah. And that's okay. I admit that I apologize to my kids constantly. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm still learning. I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out. I'm still growing in who I am. And you are blessed to come along the journey with me. And sometimes it's an unfortunate thing and I apologize. <laughs> but thanks for sticking it out with me because it's worth it. Life is worth it. It's messy and it's beautiful all at the same time. So the trauma that I experienced growing up caused me to have this overwhelming desire to control things in my life. And I wasn't so much a controlling person where I felt like I needed to control everyone around me because I fully understood 
having grown up in the house that I did, that I didn't have that capability. If I did, things would have been way different. I wouldn't have had the issues that I had. We wouldn't have been in the family that we had had I been able to control everybody else, right? Because I would have been able to make them do what I wanted. That's not a thing. I quickly learned I have no control over anybody else. I cannot make their decisions for them, but I can control me. And I can control the atmosphere and my surroundings, and this is how I choose to do it. For me, it was choosing to keep things in order. For some people, it's germs. They can't handle the thought of germs. Other people, it's all different things. OCD, envelopes, such a large number of personality traits and characteristics, and it affects every single person in different ways based on what their personality is and the trauma that they experienced. So this is how it comes out in me. I need things in their place. I need everything to have its place and to be in its place. And when it's not, I don't know how else to explain it, except that I feel like the walls close in on me. It gets hard to breathe. I feel like my world is ending. My flight or fight mechanism goes into overdrive. And I feel like I am fighting for my life. And it's ridiculous. There are so many times when I start to have this anxiety or panic attack, like I talked about in my first episode. I'm it. I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm gone. Have fun. Take care of it on your own. I'm out of here. I can't do it anymore. So many times I feel that way. Flight wants me to leave, but the feeling inside of me, if you don't fight for your life or fly away from this situation, you're going to die. You're just going to die. You're going to die in this mess. (laughs) It's so irrational, but it is a real thing. It is a real thing that I have struggled with my entire adult life. I don't remember so much feeling that when I was a kid, but It could have just been because there were so many other things going on in my life. But being a mom and struggling with that has been very detrimental to my relationship with my children and how I view myself. That is definitely something I'm sure my husband and I will talk about on the next episode because he has had to walk me through that healing and he still does. He still has to hold my hand and sometimes he has to carry me through it because I really struggle with valuing myself and seeing myself better because I know that I struggle with these things. These are my weaknesses. Nobody wants people to know their weaknesses. Well, I'm going to share mine with you because I don't feel like I'm alone. I don't feel like I'm the only mom out there that struggles with this. And everybody's going to struggle with it in different ways based on who they are. So when I walk into my kid's room and I can't see their floor, I literally... (gasps) lose my breath. My kids will know it because I will take a really deep, slow breath because I'm trying to train my brain to think, you're not going to die. You're really not going to die and be buried under this mess. Have you seen Hoarders, the show? I can't watch it because it literally puts me in that state. It is so bad. That is the response my physical body has and trying to work with my brain and my physiology to get them to understand that, you know, life's a mess. So what have I been doing for the last 12 years after this extreme episode, and I mean extreme, of me freaking out because my mother-in-law wanted to help? Well, a lot of it has been prayer and trying to give 
this weakness in my life to the one who created me. And there is a proverb that I learned really early on in my Christian walk that I cling to constantly for all different situations in my life. And that is Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says, Trust in Yahweh with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Know him in all your ways, and he makes all your path straight. There is nothing more reassuring to me than knowing that if I trust him, if I take all of these anxieties, these fears, these expectations that I have of myself and others around me, and I just give it to him, and I say, I trust you in my life. I trust you with my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding and how I see this and what it feels like, but I'm going to trust that you know and you're going to lead me on that straight path. That way I won't make the mistake of damaging the other people around me in the process of me feeling like I'm losing my mind. Because I'm not. I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to die in that mess and be buried by it. It's not going to happen, even if it feels that way. So if I can trust in him and lean not on my own understanding and acknowledge that as long as I give him all of those things, he will direct my steps, it calms me down. In those moments where I start to get stressed, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are those moments where I'm like, that's it, I'm gone, y'all are on your own. And that happened last week. To be completely honest and vulnerable and transparent with you, I grabbed my car keys and I was like, I have to go because my words might damage you. So I got in my car and I just drove around my country block and just breathed and prayed and was like, Lord, I need to get past this. <laughs> it's okay to walk away from a situation to clear your mind. And I came back and we made some changes and we corrected things and we talked about things and it was good. I lean on that. Lord, I want to trust you, Yahweh. I want to know that you are going to direct my steps. As long as I give everything to you, you're going to direct me that is most profitable for everyone around me. And another verse that I really lean on is in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are burdened, and I shall give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your beings. For my yoke is gentle and my burden is light. In those moments, my burden of motherhood being the one who has to prepare the meals and make sure the laundry's done. In those moments, my burden feels so heavy, I feel like it's crushing me. That's a real emotion. That's a real feeling I have. But if I remember to take that burden and that labor that I have, and I lay it at his feet, say, take this burden because it's too heavy for me to carry right now. And I take on his burden, which is to trust in him and know that what I understand and what I can see with my own eyes isn't always exactly what's happening because there's so much more than just this physical realm around us. Then I know that I can have peace again. My brain can calm down. My emotions can calm down and we can address the situation. So I have spent a lot of time in prayer. I've spent a lot of time in the word. I spent a lot of time focusing on how I communicate with my family because I know in these moments when I feel extremely overwhelmed, I feel like I'm suffocating from the burden around me. I know I can damage other people. When you're a mom and you're entrusted with these beautiful souls to take care of, to tend, to grow, to nurture, and to teach and train up in the way they should go, what we do and what we say has such a vital impact on who they are 
and who they become. My kids will joke with you. They will tell you how my OCD affects them. And there, <laughs> there are moments when they're like, mom, is this your OCD talking or... <laughs> Or is this like a real thing? Like, are you having an OCD moment? Or and there have been moments where they're like, I feel this way. Is this how OCD feels? And I'm like, no, none of you are going to struggle with OCD because I am not going to allow that to carry on for generations. It's stopping here. It's stopping at me. All of you are going to be fine. You are not going to carry this burden. I will not allow it. I'm not going to let it go to you. But it has affected the whole family because I am the mother and I set the tone for the household. I am setting that thermostat like we talked about before. I have the opportunity to build my house or to tear it down. And in those moments, those are the moments that decision has to be made. Those are the moments when I can choose to scream and lose it. And I mean, I have lost it, <laughs> like absolutely lost it because I am so overwhelmed. In those moments, it comes out as anger or frustration. It's loud. When it comes out of me, it's loud. I wish I was able to say that I was meek and quiet and soft-spoken, but that is not who I am. It's never been who I am, though I work on it continually because I always want to give a soft answer because scripture tells us that a soft answer turns away wrath. <laughs> we don't want to stir it up in our house. That is something I'm continually working on, but I know that momming with OCD can feel so overwhelming. It can be a burden that almost feels like you can't bear on your own. And the truth is, is you can't. You cannot bear it on your own. You need to be able to unload that. Where I find that ability or that place to unload it is with my creator, the one who knows exactly who I am, all the ways that make me me. I trust him to give me his burden, which is light. It is not heavy. His yoke is gentle and his burden is light. I trust that to carry me in those moments so that I do not completely damage my children so they're irreparable. <laughs> and I do a lot of apologizing. I am very quick to acknowledge my own shortcomings. I'm very, very quick to tell my kids, hey, this is wrong. This is not how we should respond. What I just said how I responded, how I reacted. This is not the way that we want to live our lives. We want to make better choices than that. So we're all going to work on that. And you need to help mom. You need to help hold me accountable. Pray for me. Pray for me to be able to get over this. So this isn't something that I'm struggling with for the rest of my life. And honestly, having kids has probably broken a lot of that off of me. I have tried really hard to completely let things go. I just need to pray. I just need to give that burden away so that I don't drown from the anxiety, from the panic, from the, the burden that I'm carrying. So I want to encourage you to get in the Word and try to find that scripture that you can hold on to that can carry you in those moments, whether it be Proverbs 3 verses 5 through 6 or Matthew 11 verses 28 through 30 or whatever verse you can find that fits to your circumstance and how you are feeling in those moments that you can just stop and be like, okay, nope, trust in the Lord with all of your strength and lean not on your own understanding and all of your ways acknowledge him and Lord, I'm acknowledging you right now. This is not the way I want to go. This is not the person or the mother that I want to be. Help me to be 
who you created me to be. Because a lot of our issue is sometimes we forget our why. Sometimes we forget the reason why we choose to do what we do. What is your purpose in this role? We get overwhelmed because we lose that focus. We lose our why. We just let it go. It's, you know, we let it go because we've got our arms full of laundry and cooking and dishes and kids and diapers and animals and all these other things that are around us that are pulling us in all these different directions. And it's okay. It's okay to let things go sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes it's okay to let the dishes go. And hey, you know, we just don't have any clean dishes now, so let's go buy some paper plates. But don't be overwhelmed to the point where you start damaging your family. Don't tear your house down because you are struggling with this. And know that you're not alone, that there there is help out there. There are so many moms who have gone through it, who are beyond the raising their children in their home and their kids have successfully become adults and moved on and are grown and living on their own and they can help walk you through it. I'm still in the midst of it. I have friends that have adult children that I go to all the time, like, I don't know what to do about this. And they talk me through it so that when I get in those moments where the OCD wants to rear its ugly head, I realize that I don't need to be in control of this. I don't need to be burdened by this. I hope you found a little bit of encouragement in this today. I hope you feel a little bit less alone with me sharing the torment of my OCD and how momming with it has looked. And I welcome you to seek the word, get in a place of prayer and meditate on those scriptures that are gonna carry you through those moments of OCD and reach out to somebody, reach out to another mom and be willing to be vulnerable because you will find amazing, relationships and camaraderie out there if you are willing to just be real. Join us next time when we talk to the mister about husbanding a mom with OCD.